I know, I know. I'm used to it now because last time I was, you know, I couldn't hear it in the headphones. I got worried, but yeah. I know, I know. I'm good now though, cause I, I know that it's, you know what I'm saying? But I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. You. You, you. It does sound weird when I'm hearing myself, but I'm good though. Yeah, here we go. That's much better. We here. We here. Necessities out the way. Hello, good people. My name is 4KJ. This is the For the Stress Podcast. How are you good folks doing? I am joined always by the good brother Frankie Metals, aka L Capitan, aka L Cap, aka Caps Lock, aka the Backwood Ninja, aka the Left, aka Texas Frankie, aka the Segway King. How are you, beloved? Excellent. I tried to incorporate all of them. We have a very special guest in the house tonight. Um, I came across this uh, brilliant person on Instagram. Uh, you might know her from her recent CNN interview. You might know her from the sports psychology field. You might know her from Temple University. You might know her doing her philanthropy, a good word? No, philanthropy. Something like that. We'll okay, put, we'll put that right under the word philanthropy. There you the go. Th- I can't pronounce I anything. Don't even worry about it. Philanthropist, <laughs> community <laughs> activist, community work, coalition equity, and things of that nature. I have Dr. Leisha Carter, PhD, in the building tonight. How are you, beloved? Um, I'm doing. I'm doing great. It's it's great to be here with. You, Mr. 4KJ, hood philosopher, hood <laughs> hood politician, oh, hood no. therapist, hood feminist, hood chef. I like hood feminist. That's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. I'm rolling, though. I like it. I like hood it. comedian, hood historian. I am a hood historian. That's a fact. <laughs> that is an absolute fact. And podcaster. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Dr. Carter. I um before we get into all of that church announcements follow the show on everything instagram for the stress underscore podcast you can follow me on twitter at twitter.com slash 4kj you can follow frankie on ig at frankie metals you can follow a celestial goddess on ig for your holistic healing you can follow at ivy's tico on ig for your herbal needs you can follow at embrace natural on ig for your hair care needs pardon me you can follow the dojo oh shit that's twice Damn. You can follow the dojo on IG at the dojo JC. Make sure y'all like, rate, review, subscribe. Tell a friend and tell a motherfucker friend and all that good shit like that there. Now, as I previously stated, Dr. Carter's in the building with us. Um, I came across you from your work here in Jersey City. That's with, a lie. Is it? That's a lie. When when did I come across you then? Clubhouse. Oh yeah, shout out to Clubhouse. Shout out to Clubhouse. I came across Dr. Carter through Clubhouse. We connected there through mutual Jersey City people. So mm-hmm. shout out to Clubhouse for mm-hmm. all his networking capabilities. Mm-hmm. But I uh I did become more familiar with mm-hmm. you with coalition equity, yep. with all of the work that you do here in the city, providing 
hot meals to underserved communities. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, well, most notably, you know, your CNN interview has been flooding the streets. You was on there talking about, you know, everything in recent, in the past week with Simone Biles and um, I can't pronounce her name and I don't want to mess it up. Naomi Osaka. Naomi Osaka, uh, Shikari Richardson. Um, and, I, and your background is one of sports psychology. Yes, sir. Now, for, for those who don't know, like myself, mm-hmm. what is sports psychology? Yeah, so um, so my, I'm just going to share a little bit about my background in general, just to kind of lay some context. Okay. And so I have a bachelor's and master's in psychology and a post-master's certification in exercise science. I originally, um, prior to getting that post-master's certification, I thought I was going to be a forensic psychologist. So my master's is actually in forensic psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, went different ways, um, uh, began to uncover different interests. And I, I actually stumbled across the field of sport and exercise psychology and ended up going to Temple University and shout getting my PhD. Shout out to Temple um, and ended up getting my PhD in kinesiology with an emphasis in the psychology of human movement. And so um, sport and exercise psychology is really a, um, a quite diverse field, but in, in some it's um, the, the research and the practice of ways in which to enhance athletic performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it also includes though the ways in which exercise and physical activity can enhance well-being okay right it can enhance physical emotional and psychological well-being um and i would say that's more of where um my research has rested in uh, when we look at the um psychology of physical activity Mm -hmm. um but then i kind of dig a little bit deeper and look at this within um the context of black women's health and black girls health Mm -hmm. you know how do we um enhance and improve the lives of black women and black girls um through physical activity and what are the other kind of um things that surround that um nutrition mental health environmental health that impact movement and physical activity, mm-hmm. which is why things like food and nutrition are quite important to me as well. That's, hmm. You said a lot there. I'm trying to figure out where my next question is. <laughs> no, but with, with, with your background, with you being so knowledgeable in that field, um, it was, it was piqued my interest once I saw your interview because I know that like you said, you know, that's where your emphasis lies is making sure black girls and black women's health and nutrition is uh, prioritized. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel? I mean, we can exclude the Simone Biles and all of that because that's been ran through the ringer all week. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like overall the in the, in the let's, let's just start on a very basic level. Mm-hmm. You know, how does community how does um certain systems how do they move when it comes to black girls health and black women's health and nutrition like is there i know what your what your 
nonprofit. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. With your nonprofit, I know that is a focus of yours, but is there? How bad is it? Is what I'm getting to. <laughs> like how bad? Like how 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 <laughs> how real is this shit? Let me let me just put it just straight like that. How real is this shit? How fucked up are we? <laughs> you know, um, where where do where do I start here? Because um, it's not it's not looking good. You know the prog. Mm-hmm. The prognosis, you know, um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done mm-hmm. when it comes to creating a world where young black girls can look into their future and see them and see that they have the same opportunities for health mm-hmm. as their white counterparts and when I think about health I'm thinking about physical health and safety I'm thinking about mental health I'm thinking about reproductive and maternal health I'm thinking about um, nutritional health Mm -hmm. um, spiritual health right now that does there is not equality there let alone equity Mm -hmm. and so if we were to bring it to a community or a local level and and regardless of the city or the locale that we're in um, it, it really requires communities to be aggressive aggressive intentional and aggressive to say we are going to create um, reforms programs initiatives that target the holistic health mm-hmm. and um, health focused initiatives for black girls full stop period right, right? Um, and right now that doesn't exist We there's like little piecemeal things that are done mm-hmm. but there aren't things that there aren't holistic practices that are done to say like look we want to make sure that a 40-year-old woman doesn't die on um, doesn't die while giving birth. Right. And in order to do that, we have to work backwards. What are the things that need to be done across the reproductive health um, uh, the reproductive health timeline from before 40 to when this girl this woman is 30, 20, 10, you know, all the things the pipeline to that mm-hmm. in order to prevent this 40-year-old woman from um, dying, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen right now, and so we still see women dying during childbirth. Right. The same is so when it comes to um, young girls being, you know, criminalized at a young age or or preventing sexual assault all those different things need to happen and they're not happening at this moment is it safe to assume that the difference in treatment from young black girls and black women is rooted in racism absolutely it's rooted in racism sexism and classism it's it's all three things interact Mm -hmm. to create a system that that is just not for black women's um, humanity. Hmm. It, it, you can't get, you can't, it, it's not one over the other. It's they're all three of them are operating um, equally to oppress 
young black girls and black women. They've so, been saying that for years. no, no, yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. And it's like the it's it's, it's such a multi layered issue um, with what you do is the nutrition aspect of it is that like your entry point into branching out into other things or is it like you're more focused on the mental health side like where, where do you where did you decide okay this is my end into helping the trials and tribulations of young black girls and black women well i wear multiple hats right right and so you know in the in my world as a professor um, through my research, that's where I get to explore and um, tackle, um, or what's the word I want to use? Shed light, mm-hmm. um, make visible mm-hmm. um, the reality of um, how uh, these intersectional forms of oppression exist mm-hmm. and impla- impact black women and black girls. For example, um, I conducted a five to six year study looking at the ways in which the strong black woman um, stereotype impacted black women's mental health, mental health, physical health, and just overall healthy behaviors. Can we can we just pause right there? Do you have an issue with the strong black woman narrative? Because, you know, that's that's like a. Um, that's been a saying or a phrase or an adage for a long time now. Like, is that not accurate? Is it unfair to say, you know, strong black woman? Is that putting too much pressure on black women? So um, the the strong black woman um, schema is it uh, that that particular um, uh, archetype is mm. the word. Um, there's pros and cons to it. Okay. Um, and so it originates, it is an archetype that was formed, created by racist white people mm. in order to appease their white guilt for enslaving black women, brutalizing black women, black women's bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of dealing with the violence that they perpetuated onto black women mm-hmm. and the forced enslavement of black women, mm-hmm. the forced labor on black women, right? They said, oh no, you're strong. Mm-hmm. You can handle this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're going to pull your families apart. Mm-hmm. We're going to rape your children. We're going to rape you. Right? Yeah. And and then you're going to come in and you're going to take care of our kids. You're going to clean our homes. Mm. And you can't cry about it. You can't show any form of the rightful hu- human response to that. Mm. Because if you did, we would call you weak. But even though that's the human response. Right. Right? So it's like black women aren't allowed to be weak. No. They have okay. to be strong. Right. Right? They get all the weight. You know, kind of the burden of the, that discipline, but then what about that one? Right. Exactly. exactly. 
So we're going to make you be strong because we can't handle the violence we put on you. Oh, so all that shit is a cop out. (laughs) That's what that is. So now we create, this is the technology of racism. Mm. Racism is a technology. The technology of racism. That's a bar, by the way. Is. Is violence, violence, violence. We're not, we can't handle our violence and we create this archetype Mm. that we put on you so that way you have to put on a mask of strength because we can't handle everything we brutalized you with. Mm. And then we socialize you, your kids, your kids' kids to embody that. So So then- Keeps the cycle going. Keeps the cycle going. So then, to the point that we don't even have to tell you to be a strong woman anymore. It's already ingrained in you. We just start, you just, you just start doing it. Yeah. You just gotta like do what you think you're supposed to do. Yeah, your this program. Is, yeah, this your now program. becomes cultural. Right. It's the same as brainwashing. Yeah, same it is, No, it is brainwashing. It is brainwashing. So, now your mother's mother's mother, hey, I'm born as a black girl and I, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this for my man's family and then I gotta do this for my job and then I gotta get over to the church to do this and I gotta do that and, and tomorrow I'm gonna get up at five and I'm gonna do it again. And they still gonna say that you should still be stronger. Right. So it's, still it's, gotta it's, carry it the next day. Yeah, so lose, lose all the way through. And then, so let's, let's, let's pause it here. So then... Simone Biles says, you know what? I can't walk out on that floor because I got the twisties. Yeah, I had to actually do... So I had to do some research on this. And she's wrong for that. Right. I had to do some research on the twisties. So apparently this is like a thing that gymnasts go through to where like they're just like not there all the way mentally. So while they're practicing the routine because, you know, they're swinging the bars and all that type of shit, they'll fuck around and slip and fall off because, like, their mind's not right. And Simone Biles posted a video on her IG showing, like, documenting, like, look, I messed up here, I messed up here. And I think at one point she slipped off the bars and fell on the mat. And she was like, if I would have did this on the floor, I would have, it had been quiet for me. So... That is, is, yeah, that's... Well, that's, they lose their spatial reasoning. Right. They okay. lose their spatial processing. That was a much more intellectual way of saying <laughs> what I but, said. But, you know, but when we... But this is how that... that po- The politics of black feminist politics, of mm-hmm. strong black women, the socialization, we bring that into sport. Simone Biles, you know, all of this weight, all of this pressure, all of this respectability politics of she's supposed to just shut up and do it mm-hmm. shut up and be the athlete yeah. the mm-hmm. yep the moment she says i can't yeah they went crazy you know they went crazy and meanwhile nobody says i wouldn't either they never put themselves in a person because say, that's tough you know I'm exactly they'd rather say see and in the wild and the wildest should, to me about that it's like she got mad medals but that doesn't matter because guess what? For black women, that's what she's supposed to do. Mm. It's expected mm. because black women, again, their value is only in their labor to a white patriarchal society. What you can do for white men. Hmm. And so as long as you're performing for that system, then 
you're valuable. The moment that you say, I can't, I'm not doing it or I can't. You become a, you become a, you become a target. You become an enemy. You mm-hmm. become someone. You who, become, you become opposition. Right. A op. Mm-hmm. Shout out to all the young homies. I'm, um, hmm. So now that we understand that this, that narrative is rooted in racism, um, on a local level. Mm-hmm what can be done to try to deprogram some of that mm-hmm. you know reasoning some of that line of thinking because as you said as Frankie said like it's become such a part of us like when you were talking it made me think of the women in my family and how they will work and work and come home and still cook and clean and do everything they got to do and I'm not even thinking damn mommy might be tired mm-hmm. or grandma might be tired yeah. yeah i'm not even right. thinking about it i'm just thinking oh this is what she do because mm-hmm. this is what society says she's supposed right to. this exactly so this is part of the dna this is part of cultural dna and that's the problem that i don't i don't want to i don't like constantly using the word problem but it's like it's a problem just say it it's a problem i mean and and there's layers to this right, right? The part of it is, I, I'm I'm happy that you use the word programming because um, people need to realize that this is part of the matrix, and so if we're trying to change things, mm-hmm. you know, a one-off program isn't going to do it because we have to deprogram this. You know what I mean? Like we have to. It's like a fundamental and, thing. And when as soon as you get up in the morning. You're walking in through a ton of programs. Exactly. Yeah. So you detoxing, you try to detox, but that takes months. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they got new ways mm-hmm. to get up in your head and yeah, and make you think like this is the, like this shit is okay. In your yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said to someone else, I said, look, we have to think about all these systems of of oppression as technology. Part of the thing with technology is that it's constantly updating and it's designed to be flexible and adaptable. When a new uh, form of, yeah, when new, a new virus comes in to yeah, try new, to challenge it. Yeah, that new it's, iOS update is like, mother, mother. It's, it's designed yeah. to be able to, you know, to to improve so that way it survives. Mm. And so when we think of different things, you know, diversity and inclusion people or you know this or that, the 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 I hate that term. the system of the technology of racism and sexism and Islamophobia it's already like, oh well, we're already designing an update for that. So you we're know, al- we're always like four or five steps. Ex- yeah, we're, they're we're always evolving, and they're always figuring out the evil. Exactly. And figuring out that. Yeah, this chest, not chest. That loophole to catch us through that loop again. Right, mm-hmm. right. They never don't have us in the loop, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. They always, they're always in the loop. The thing is that the loop is so obvious, mm. we don't need to... There's no need for them to say it. Mm-hmm. We say it. Right. We mm-hmm. all, It's like autopilot. And to add to what you're saying about, right, black women in America... The hospitals kill people every day. Right. And they kill black women more. Because they expect them to be stronger. We expect you to handle pain more. Exactly. Your insurance doesn't quite dictate that we can give you the the good stuff that we know won't harm you. Yeah, you don't need an epidural. You got that. 
so this happens in, in a lot of ways and the thing is that you know the poor people don't know no better mm-hmm. they lose one and keep it pushing mm-hmm. it would take a lawyer for them to be like wait what happened what's the wait what happened whoa you sitting on a whole yeah thing that's not right mm-hmm. but how many times is that not right mm-hmm. go right through the drain, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's it's been it's been many cases of like I I often see like reports and and you know articles about the death rate when black women are in the hospital. I've heard personal stories of friends of mine telling me like I don't like going to the hospital mm-hmm. because they don't give me the right shit mm-hmm. or they will. Pus- words prescribe me something that i don't need at all Mm -hmm. so it's like that is if it falls through the cracks and that is another form of programming because this happens so often and because we are all programmed to think black women can handle it we don't think twice yeah absolutely i mean uh racial bias in the medical system is a real thing there's been a number of recent and previous research studies that have shown that medical residents Mm -hmm. um, who participated in these particular research studies um, believe that black black adults as well as black children um, could withstand more pain so they prescribe less pain medicine. Mm Um, so more Ritalin and all that other stuff. Yeah, but they will, us, they will keep us drugged the fuck up. But the the unfortunate thing about that is twofold. One, in research studies where medical residents thought that black children could withstand more pain, so they prescribe less pain medication. What that tells you is something around what we call this adultification bias. Is that there's this perception that mm-hmm. young black bodies are more adult than what they are right right and that that's why they get you know over sexualized early exactly criminalized like early criminalized. policed early yeah, all yeah, these yeah. things okay. so it leads into all these other social um political dynamics right, right? um and then with um adult bodies and with adult women it leads into these other things around okay well you're thinking that a black woman's body and we've seen these parallels happen in other ways too but um is able to withstand more pain. Mm -hmm. So because it can withstand more pain, this perception, we're not going to believe pain when it's expressed. Mm -hmm. We're not going to help soothe pain when it's expressed, right? Um, And so there's these, you see these illusions that kind of connect to this when, um, particularly in sport, Serena Williams being likened to a gorilla. Um, recently Simone Biles was um, described her body described as beastly right like uh-huh. these um, cor- these comparisons to animals uh-huh. and women's bodies and things like that and so just the black body not seen being seen as human and and having human experiences during um, its normal developmental period uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean uh-huh. um, is another area right Um that speaks to this very complicated, nuanced aspect of racism and health. Huh. Shit. It's so complicated. It is. And, and, but and it's there. It's I know. all and there. It, it's, it's extremely multi-layered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you're talking about is, is, 
as age old as this country is known to be. Mm-hmm. Nothing's new. Yeah, right. nothing's, nothing's new, new here. In America, this is what we're dealing with right. right now. So it's like this is the their start. They had tobacco, alcohol, slaves, railroads, mm-hmm. and all. That. It was just like a product. And now nobody want to motherfucking answer questions. Yeah. And then we still got a, our own house, but we can't really run the house the way we want to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. You know, nothing. I don't in no way, um, in no way, uh, prescribe to be acting like I'm saying something new. And that's that's the thing here, is that, and the the unfortunate. Um, disheartening thing is that my research as a professor shouldn't have to exist it shouldn't even have to exist i shouldn't even be having to be like y'all know right that black women's experiences is because of the you know because it's so age old and because it's old it's old and it's still a problem then that just means that it's kind of one of the most important things to be talking Right. That's how I feel. The last problem. That's how. Why hasn't it been solved yet? And then when we look at where we supposed to get to solve it, it still feels like it's years away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's it often feels like we ain't even make a dent in this shit. We didn't Mm -hmm. because there's no unity like that. That's 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 also true. That's also true. People together can make mad dents. Well, you know when we and that kind of brings me back to 4K. The like the questions you asked is like, what can we do at the community level, the local level? My Mm -hmm. my first thought to that is, I believe that movement building, movements create change. I believe that movements create change. Movements. are foundational to shifting culture. I agree, absolutely. And um, if you look at any of the movements that have happened in history, mm-hmm. whatever your politics are around the feminist movement, any of the feminist movement, they shifted access to rights um, and equality for women. Then you have the civil rights movement. You have um, so is is it akin, the Black Lives like, Ma- Matter like the, movement? Uh, Pardon mm-hmm. me for cutting you off, but is it akin to like just dangling a carrot in front of these movements to where it's like these movements coalesce, they they get momentum, and it looks like you can get close, looks like you can change something, and as soon as you they get a little closer, then something shifts or the goalpost moves, and now we're back at square one. Um, I think you know when we look at like the women's suffrage movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, that granted access to voting rights for white women. So while you, while someone might say like it might hypothesize like, oh, maybe the dangling the carrot, it did though provide access to voting right. for white women. Black women didn't get uh, voting rights until um, the Voting Rights Act later um, down the line. So I think it, it does within the system that exists. Mm-hmm. I think we we do historically do see um, some form of equality that happens, but the system is trying to not. The, the, yeah. It's so yeah, it's like yeah, nah, like, not really. Like, it's obvious. Like all right, all women, but wait, yeah. somebody's obviously going that far to write the clause in right. with their interest. So, yeah, well, sure. that's not not that's not what happened when it comes to the women's suffrage movement and voting rights because you have to remember that at that time. We still had uh, Jim Crow and 
black people just didn't have rights. Right, right. So you have the women's suffrage movement that's happening around the 1920s. So black people didn't have rights. Mm-hmm. So you have white women and black women fighting for women's suffrage, women's rights to vote. So once women, once the 19th Amendment was um, uh, enacted, then it was like, yeah, women have rights, but bl- black people over here don't have still rights not, yet. Yeah, so, so it and not until black people got rights. Then the black women. Then the black right. women got rights. Okay. So that's how that happened. Okay. You know. There's still someone trying to kind of push that agenda, even today, still. Like, we never get what we need, and it is basic, basic necessities. And this is, this is, so I'm of the belief that, I mean, like, even though it's like, these, all these things matter, my feeling, and this is why... I established Coalition for Food and Health Equity mm-hmm. is that, and even though we have this wonderful food program and we're expanding and building other programs, we really have to look at things from a bird's eye view mm-hmm. and try to build capacity across all all needs, right? Like f- hunger, health, wellness, like what are all the things and how can we really be transformational and liberatory across all the things that people need and build power that way so that way we're not doing one-offs like you know voting rights here and then but all these other things we need like how can we really create very innovative Mm -hmm. equity focused um programs that are are addressing multiple issues because we live in a society that is you know um, intersectionally discriminatory and oppressive. Mm-hmm. So we have to create innovative tech, community-focused technologies that are intersectionally solution-focused. Okay. So how do we do that? You know? Um, That's the true humanitarian. Office. It is. Yeah. It is. It definitely is. Um, I wanted to switch gears just a little bit. Um, with the history of you know, black women in this country and all of the intersectional oppression that they've been facing up until this point. Now, in this current age, how is how do you feel about the term protect black women? And I'll explain why I'm asking. Because, you know, in a in a social media age, everything is very like what's the word I'm looking for? performative things are very like put a hashtag next to everything and you know we've been talking all of this time about the very real problems that black women and black girls face in this country and it to me and you know i'm a man so what the fuck do i know but to me it feels like the protect black women isn't as tangible as what's needed as far as actually having to your point having transformative solutions in our communities mm-hmm. um is do do how do you feel about that label because it's, it's really like a brand now but i'm just curious with with your work and all of the things that you actually do in a community like is that is it good to just say is it just like a 
hey, I'm, you know, I'm hashtagging. I support y'all. Like, how do you feel about that phrase? I think that social media definitely has a has a has a place okay. when it comes to these hashtags. So, and I'm going to answer your. I definitely am going to give a do I like it or do I not in a moment. But mm-hmm. I do just want to say this one thing. So don't think I'm like beating around the bush here. Okay. Okay. Um, but I think that social media definitely has its place with these hashtags mm-hmm. because it it is bringing it's raising awareness like truly like bringing things to the surface okay and when we're just thinking about just general allyship or just general like diversity uh inclusion based education or just like letting people know like you know this this exists you know what i mean i think these hashtags like protect black women are necessary because Mm -hmm. then people are like why do black women need protection and it's like oh so now we can start a conversation right okay let's like let's talk about like you know um it's it's the end no no, really it is because it's like you know like okay so you asked a question so like let's just sit and like talk about some stuff you know what i mean so i think that that's a very necessary purpose because prior to that people aren't people wouldn't be like even thinking about it it wouldn't even be in the ether and so it gives the yeah, let's 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 have conversations and I like curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it this is going to spark your curiosity and we can have a conversation around that. And even if you go leave this conversation being like I still don't understand, we we still had the conversation. Right. You still get it. Right. You know what I mean? So um that's what I feel like when it comes to many of these hashtags is that it raises awareness. It gets people curious. Mm-hmm. It it gets people talking. And of course, you know, it organizes conversations and it, it yeah, it's its own online organizing mechanism. Mm. Um, do I think black women need protection? Absolutely. Mm. You know? And I think, again, we need to begin to to recognize that the fact that we're still talking about this in 2021 yeah. means that we need to move from a passive like y'all what we fit into, what we're going to do to a now period okay. like we need to do this right now like okay. we Urges. urgency yes a sense of urgency okay. and i would say that for black men too like like period like the fact that we're that we have to say protect black women or black lives matter or whatever in 2021 means that we are in a state of emergency period that's fair i just i think for i think my only gripe with it is because i and this is probably because i spend too much time on social media is because i see i often see the negative side of it Mm-hmm. Because I see so many people, like they're not so many people. That's not fair. I'll say I see people who use the hashtags in a more malicious fashion, or to spread misinformation or disinformation, or to promote their own agendas when they really don't give a fuck about protecting anybody. Mm-hmm. So that kind of makes me apprehensive to, you know, the hashtag itself. I completely agree that it's 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 essential. It's important. It does have the urgency, mm-hmm. and it's just for me. The hashtag is marketing, in right? A way, like to bring to raise awareness. So, marketing is art, mm-hmm. right? So, art is subjective. Mm-hmm. 
this Which means that if they take a little piece out of the Bible or the Quran, they can say that this means that I can do whatever I want. Right, right. And, that, so and that's true. Right. Control. And that's my fear with it. And this is not just that protect black women hashtag. It's just, it's all hashtags in general. Like it makes it so easy for them to get hijacked. Mm-hmm. And for anyone else, some fucking bozo from the middle of nowhere to say whatever they want to say and it deters mm-hmm. the real message because. Mm-hmm. Like everything we've been talking about, people are really out here dying. Mm-hmm. Black Why women. Are talking? Are... Why are you joking about it? Yeah, mm-hmm. like you joking about it, or you're spreading misinformation. So it's like I I get apprehensive about the hashtag, but I completely agree that it is necessary. It does raise awareness. It's just like I said. It, it's just for me. It just I've, I've seen the complete worst of that. So I believe that if it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll stand the test of any troll. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, but I believe that too. It's gonna be tested. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. feed the trolls. Mm-hmm. Don't feed the trolls. But I, I, I do. Um. Yeah, man. So what do we do, Doc? Like, goddamn, like this shit is a lot. What do we do? You what know. Do we do? What do we do? So the first thing is, um, the best advice I've ever, I've ever heard, from a, a movement maker a change maker, an activist. Her name is Kenyatta Barnes. She is the co-founder, the co-movement maker for the Mute R. R. Kelly movement. Fuck R. Kelly. Um, I had the honor of interviewing her. And I asked her, I said, like, how'd you do it? Like, how did you create this, the Mute R. Kelly movement, you know? And she just said, constant pressure constant pressure that foot has to stay on the gas Uh. she said you know people and and she's right you know you know when you're doing movements and when you're doing movement making and change making and culture shifting and all the whatever the word is um you are you know people people get burnt out yes people lose focus yes you know uh stuff happens life you know whatever but she said she just constant pressure she her and her the the co-founder just kept that foot on the gas we're going to mute this man we are going to take him down period and i firmly believe that whatever your focus is my focus is on transformational racial health equity my focus is on making sport a space where black girls and black women and sport exercise and and, um, recreation like I just want I want black women and black girls to see themselves be able to just engage in healthy you know behaviors Mm -hmm. and healthy activities and it just be a full space for them whatever that might be Mm -hmm. Um, and in order to do that you just have to keep your foot on the gas and that's it. Hmm. Full stop. Hmm. All right turned or whatever. You know what I mean? Like nothing but green lights, you and, know? And and that that constant pressure that I like the point that you said of, you know, whatever your avenue is, because from my perspective I do see um black women promoting this message in various fields, whether it's health, sports, fucking gardening, mm-hmm. um, black women sewing mm-hmm. um i love the hashtag uh 
black girls shopping at Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I love Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm, I see black women entering these black girls in tech. So it's mm-hmm. like I see black women in all of these spaces promoting this, you know, p- promoting this um, agency where mm-hmm. it's like I'm here. And freedom. And freedom. Mm-hmm. So I think with that, you know, like I, I, I completely understand like that black women being in all of these different fields and constantly pushing that yeah I could I could see that working I could see that working power power is what the powerless want right Mm -hmm. so that's that's the key right there liberation and then confidence and I I do think that that confidence does start young so that that's why like do stuff with your kids yeah, do stuff with your kids, or even if you don't have any kids, pick up some kids in your community who. You're old who, anyway. Yeah, so like. What you gonna do? Get the kids. The kids <laughs> like like they go to the boys and girls club. They go swimming. They get good at swimming. They know the hustle. Yeah. Bring your kids to these things because when you gone, they'll be like, "My mom took me to that. My dad took me to that. That's important to me." No, it is important. It is important. Just making sure, like, I am a big I, I am a big believer in that, and then making sure, like this message this journey to liberation consciousness and equity mm-hmm. starts in the children i want to i want to do i have time to tell a story real quick sure um so when it comes to like parents and kids help build confidence um the com- creating communities that are um communities that incubate uh, dignity, health, access, growth mm-hmm. for kids, safety mm-hmm. is also needed because you can have great parents, but if a kid doesn't feel safe to play outside, doesn't right. feel, right. doesn't, it, it doesn't have access to a good school system, right. um, doesn't have access to good food, things like that. Not that they can't grow up to be great, but there's more hurdles. Yeah, Stunt, more, it stunts their growth. It, a there's yeah, more. There's definitely more hurdles. Yeah, that's a that, that's you know better, a handicap. And and so they're just putting the hurdles in front of the fish, finish line versus mm-hmm. removing them. And I say that to say that one of my earliest recollections as when I think of my childhood of like how far back can I think? And I don't know if you ever do this of like can I think of like the what is my earliest memory as a kid like you know what I mean yeah, I do that sometimes. and we gotta do that. and so okay yeah, my, yeah we could do that I, could, I think I got one yeah, one, I got one of my earliest memories is um, I'm originally from Chester Pennsylvania my mom um, would never let us go to the windows um, of where we live because it was a bad neighborhood mm. and so like if we would ever get close to the window, she'd be like, get away from those windows. We could never go outside because it was dangerous. And one day, me being me, I went to the window. My earliest recollection is a man um, pointing a gun to uh, the face of another man outside. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, so like imagine my earliest recollection. Is violence. Is violence Fears. outside. Fears. Violence outside so it, it already uh, indoctrinates you with outside is dangerous exactly that outside is in a place of you know jump rope or running right. or anything like that right. one I have to avoid outside 
outside is in a place of growth and enrichment, right? Mm -hmm. I have to find ways to do that inside. And for many of our kids that they have the same experience, they might not experience um, or have a positive experience with outside until later down the line. And so this is also part of when we're thinking about physical activity and youth and kids is like, what are their, what is their relationship with the world outside, the world around them? And how are we creating that as adults and as decision makers and people Mm -hmm. in power, Mm -hmm. how are we creating or transforming their relationship with physical activity spaces, recreational spaces, um, the education system, systems that should be be safe, mm. be positive, right. could be with them until the end of time, you know? Um, all of the things, you know? For me, fortunately, I don't know how it happened, mm. but uh, things change for me later later down the line. Right. But, um, but I do remember when I trained for my first marathon, I didn't want to run outside. It was like a whole thing. Um, that I had to like force myself to begin to do, and so. Fam, you know what's what I, I see now. You making me think of all the wild experiences <laughs> I had outside <laughs> that have now shaped my psyche. But you are absolutely it's correct. It's a real thing. No, nah, it's a very real thing. Like it's a real thing. Yeah, I saw my. I've me too. Like I saw, I did see a lot of violence outside. Yeah, like I we. Saw. These are these are the things that we. When we're asking ourselves, like, well, how do we, you know, get more girls to be active or how? And and I'm not stereotyping that like every place that, you know, young black girls or young girls of color live or um, um, are situated within community based violence. But I am saying it is a very real experience that we do have to think about and also think about that things like failing, like. Uh, community centers that need to be renovated and things like that also contribute to you know young girls you know participating in just physical activity and sport and things like that you know yeah Mm -hmm. and they don't because outside is not safe yeah and then there's not an alternative um, affordable um, indoor facility or safe facility um with adults who might know these Damn, sports you know or things so, you know what's so crazy like especially communities like ours and especially with like the pandemic and things like that that point of outside is so pertinent it's, because it it's is. like it is you removed outside we're all in the house you can't really do any physical activity now the kids are glued to the tablets mm-hmm. so that eliminates all desire to go outside because now they're fucking um, addicted to the tablet. So mm-hmm. now they really don't want to go outside. Mm-hmm. We've seen the rate of obesity significantly increase during COVID, which is unfortunate. Now, on top of that, statistically, um, girls drop out of sport around the age of 14. And the, the, it's much higher amongst girls of color. So we already are hit with a challenge around the age of 14 with the girls and girls of color that around 14, they stop playing in sport. Mm. And then once they're done school age, they really, the statistic is higher because school comes PE, so at least they're active. But mm-hmm. then when school stops, then they're done. And then we see sedentary behavior increase, right? And so... 
it's just like one thing on top of the other when it comes to physical activity now you now we done put covid on top of it yeah it just fucks everything so up. it yeah. just you know one thing on top of the other so then when we look at just like a now environmental perspective and environmental racism mm-hmm. now we know that areas that have been historically under-resourced and marginalized, mm-hmm. these rates are higher. So, what the like? What the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like after all that eloquent breakdown, yeah, it's like what the fuck? What the fuck? Nah, this, that's how you feel sometimes. You have all of these intellectual it's, thoughts, and it's just like your fan. What the fuck, bro? Went from audio to YouTube. Yeah, like what the fuck, bro? Real fucking. Yeah, because that's that's really because how... you know it's just like. You know, he, it's like, okay, now at the age of 14, it's the, the, the rate is, you know, and then it's higher for girls of color. Right. And then when they hit about 18, then it becomes higher. You know what I mean? And then when we're in under-resourced areas, it becomes higher. And then it's COVID. You know, like, you know, like, so it's too, it's too much. It's too much. And so that's where I'm like, we are significantly in a state of emergency. When you really begin to break down mm-hmm. the elements of health, whether it's physical health, um, any p- physical health, mm-hmm. um, uh, particularly in urban areas, um, and then nutritional health, mental health. It's with 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 black girls and black women. We are in a significant state of emergency now. The thing, the issue is, and then I will stop lamenting, <laughs> is that when we look at these trends in um, girlhood, right? We are 14, 18, right? And we know that environmental racism plays a significant role in why girls might not engage in healthy behaviors, healthy or healthful behaviors because their environment isn't conducive to health. Hmm. When we follow that same girl to her 30s or 40s, and now she might be early stages with a chronic illness, we criminalize that. Hmm. We blame her. Damn, this shit is all a setup. However, however, you're right. Tenfold hat, you're right. Her environment wasn't conducive, didn't cultivate fully. It had many hurdles, many health hurdles, to her being able to really create a foundation of really good, healthful and healthy behaviors that she could take with her mm-hmm. into adulthood. And that's why I find it really, really, really important because it's like when she becomes the 40-year-old woman who, or 35-year-old woman who, you know, wants to have a child, you know? We already know that there's gonna be this racial bias in the medical system that's gonna make it harder for her to have right. this pregnancy, right? Right. So we know that if we can get her at 14 to, to create a healthy, young adulthood it might make her life her her life in the medical system a little less challenging when she's dealing with these um bias uh hurdles later on you know so this is this is how these things connect that's why i find it important within my particular field you know what i mean from an exercise and health uh focus because like if i could get you active here um, if I get you engaged in sport here and you right. can really like it, right. considering all the racial, gender, class um, biases, by the time you're 40... At least you have a chance. At least you have a chance mm. um, to be able to have dodged things like chronic illness and um, other things. 
And then it doesn't help, which is why I talk about the things like Simone Biles. It doesn't help when we see these things placed on Simone Biles because yeah, it trickles it, down right, to our young it, girls. Yeah, it, makes, it makes young black girls be like, well, I don't want to do that. Look how she was criticized. Exactly. Exactly. Shit. Shit. You know, it's... This is what it makes you want to do. Fricky's pouring the shot. But, um... Damn. So, like, the... the, the From your perspective, you this uh, one of the things that we can do is just keeping pressure in whatever avenues we're in. Yeah. The yeah. constant pressure. Absolutely. Um, you have to keep and mostly constant unaware. pressure. Hmm? Mostly unaware. Yeah, a lot of people Russia are unaware. Yeah, a lot of right. people are unaware. When they say you woke, yeah. They just mean are you aware? Yeah, I, but I hate aware? that word though. I hate that word. That's, so what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to use this platform. Yeah, yeah. To shift it. You know? <laughs> we try to make you more aware. Yeah, that's I, all we. You know, that's all we got. I think part of the pressure, at least the ways the ways in which I apply pressure, is not only raising your awareness, but raising but educating you as well. So um, one of the most amazing things I ever heard was from a, a Dr. Kenneth Hardy. And he said, you can have either two things, will or skill. Mm. You, we want people to have both, like will or skill. Will is, you want to do it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, get me out there. You know, I want to have my love is love shirt on, right, Black right, Lives right. Matter, right? Skill is that you are actually competent to do to it. Do it yeah. So you got some people are competent to do it, but they don't have the will. They don't. They don't want to do it. Some people want to do it, but they don't have know the what they do with. It's hard to find the one. Yeah, life is about balance, man. Exactly. Yeah. Life is about balance. Exactly. What if he was never encouraged? What mm-hmm. if he was never guided? Then it's been, how many of those? Let's be honest. It's it's a lot of those. Mm-hmm. There's a it's lot of situations a- where someone does have both, but like you said, there was no healthy environment right. to go to to cultivate that. Mm-hmm. And every those situations fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And I and for me in my journey, I want to to help people, allies. As I come across allies and. I want to help them develop that skill. I'm like, okay, you're an ally. You you want to you want to be out here with me, but let me help you do it right. Mm-hmm. You know. Don't fuck my shit. <laughs> and people <laughs> who 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 are competent, I want to make sure that they remain eager and passionate and don't lose that passion. I don't want them to get burned out. So I'm always focused on self care with those those individuals of like, know when to take a break. You don't always got to be out here. Self-care you know what I mean? Is very important. So that way you can you can be there to keep that pressure going. You know, particularly in those most those most um, important moments. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 work on creating healthy environments for mm-hmm. our babies, man. Mm-hmm. Healthy environments. Mm-hmm. That's healthy of consistent consistent healthy environments. Mm-hmm. Pressurized healthy environments. Mm-hmm. Keep keep the foot on the gas, man. Mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, I. I yeah, keeping the fight, man. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate all of your work, Dr. Carter. You know, I um. Every time I talk to you, I learn something new. So I appreciate you for that. Um, I appreciate you for having me. Shit, man. Shit, maybe want to swing on somebody. You just gonna swing yourself. You can't even find the people. Yeah, I can't find the person I want to swing on. But it's like, God damn it, it's all y'all fault, motherfucker. No, no. No, that ain't.
know that know that enemy know thyself man but um dr carter thank you um anything you want to say before we get out of here you want to plug anything i know you got a mad stuff going on you know shout out whoever you want to shout out do your thing the floor is yours <laughs> yeah um so i always gotta uh give a shout out to um my sisters, my friends, I'm a huge fangirl of Black Women's Blueprint. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, anyone that hears this, please go over to Black Women's Blueprint, donate, support, like, follow. Um, also, you can um, uh, take a little trip over to Coalition for Food and Health Equity. Uh, like and follow us at coalition underscore equity on Instagram. Um, uh, subscribe to our newsletter subscribe to us online at coalitionequity.org and you can always you know follow me at dr carter um on instagram she be on there talking that shit you hear me <laughs> follow dr carter um yeah man thank you again this this was a wonderful conversation uh, i learned so much but it's a wonderful conversation um in the meantime, in between time, follow the show on everything. Instagram for the stress underscore podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash 4KJ. You can follow Frankie on IG at Frankie Metals. You can follow a celestial goddess on IG for your holistic healing. You can follow at Ivy's Tico on IG for your herbal needs. You can follow at Embrace Naturally on IG for your hair care needs. You can follow the dojo on IG at the dojo JC. Make sure y'all like, rate, review, subscribe. Pardon me again. God damn it. Tell a friend to tell a motherfucking friend and um, pressure for the stress. Keep the goddamn pressure on. This is a fight, beloved. You hear what I'm saying? It's a multifaceted, multi-layered. I think I said that twice. That might have been a little redundant, but whatever. It's, it's a fight, bro. You hear what I'm saying? Dr. Carter, thank you. Frankie, thank you, bro. Um, wear your fucking mask The variance is out here beloved This shit is not a game All you niggas at the goddamn festival are sick And need to go get tested immediately Turn this shit off It's hot now We out Get some more practice!